0: This is a special edition on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. The KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour starts now. Welcome
1: to our KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour on the upcoming presidential election. One week from the Oklahoma voter registration deadline and a month and a day from Election Day. Now our purpose over the course of this hour is to answer as many questions as possible about the process during this highly unusual election year. It's a process that faces tough challenges from the pandemic to mail-in ballots, allegations of possible tampering, fraud, shortage of poll workers, and there's, there's a lot more. Tulsa County Election Board Secretary Gwen Freeman is here to answer your questions. You can submit them right now via the open mic on the KRMG app. But we begin with the 50,000-foot view of election security across the state. KRMG
0: goes in-depth. With
2: KRMG's Russell Mills.
3: Paul Zarek has served as state election board secretary since 2009. I got him on the phone yesterday afternoon. I want to
2: start by giving a shout-out to our county election board uh, officials and workers across the state because I can tell you in places... Uh, Like Tulsa County at the Tulsa County Election Board, they are working seven days a week, 12 hours a day to make sure that they are able to process the absentee ballot requests, uh, the returned absentee ballots and voter registrations.
3: It tells me Oklahomans still like to vote in person. In fact, this June and in August, we had 75 to 80 percent of the voters actually show up at the precincts. But there is definitely a trend
2: towards absentee voting. Male absentee voting in particular, and and that was the case in June. It was the case in August. And already for the general election, uh, as of this recording, uh, there are more than 260,000 requests statewide for absentee ballots in the state of Oklahoma. And that is uh, well more than double uh, the previous record of requests, which was set uh, in 2018 for the general election.
3: It's interesting, though, that even pre-pandemic, more people wanted to vote by mail. In many states, election boards can't even open those mail-in ballots until in-person voting actually begins.
2: It was the case in Oklahoma until after the 2012 elections and the the legislature came in and tweaked the laws so that... Uh, If a county election board has a large volume of absentee ballots, uh, if they have the permission of the state election board secretary, they can begin processing those uh, before election day.
3: And again, that change was made several years ago. So Secretary Zarek says we're in good shape to get those votes counted in a timely manner. And he adds, the U.S. Postal Service has been a great partner in that endeavor.
2: I know that in some of the elections earlier this year, uh, the County Election Board Secretary Gwen Freeman in Tulsa County uh, told me that her local postal officials uh, actually allowed the County Election Board staff to make multiple special trips on Election Day to make sure that they get all of those uh, that, that are in the possession of the Postal Service. So that they're they're working really hard, along with our County Election Board staff, uh, to make sure that, uh, that your absentee ballot uh, gets delivered. Gets counted, and that's important
3: because in Oklahoma,
2: it must be received by the county election board before, by seven p.m. on election day when the, when the polls close. So if you're mailing it back, it has to be received by seven p.m. If you're hand delivering it, and this is only allowed for the for the no excuse standard absentee ballot, uh, you can hand deliver that during regular business hours up until the day before the election. So the Monday before the election. Now,
3: despite the fact that Americans have been voting by absentee since at least the Civil War, especially in the military. There are questions this year about the security of mail-in ballots. So in part two of our discussion with Oklahoma State Election Board Secretary Paul Zerix, we'll discuss those security concerns. Stay tuned. I'm Russell Mills, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk.
0: Issues that matter to you,
3: expanded on the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour. Tulsa
1: Elections Secretary. Gwen Freeman, who was really gracious to Martha and I yesterday because Martha had to go down and drop off her social security card so she could be a poll worker and and we got the the whole tour of the Tulsa County Election Board office, and I think Gwen's there now. Good morning, Gwen. Good
4: morning, and thanks for having me this morning, Dan. I appreciate it. Well,
1: thanks for uh, giving us a tour yesterday. Martha and I really enjoyed that, and it really gave us a sense of the monumental task you guys have, not just on election night, but all the time leading up to it and then after it as well. It doesn't stop at 7 p.m., certainly. It doesn't even stop at midnight give us an update. I guess the best place to start is how many absentee ballots do you have in so far? I, I know this answer already, and it's, a, it's quite a bit more than you usually have at this point, right?
4: Well, yeah. As, that, as a matter of fact, um, at, we've received about 4,300, 4,400 absentee ballots back. We've mailed out uh, 55,547 as of yesterday, and we continue to receive about 1,300 new absentee requests every single day.
1: 55,000, and we're sitting here on October 2nd, a month and a day away from the election day itself. How does that compare to what you got, say, for the entire presidential election cycle in 2016, compared to 55,000 this year?
4: It's roughly five times the amount. Um, We looked at just a little under 21,000 uh, absentee ballots sent out for the 2016 november uh election for the presidential at this point we're we're at 55 as i mentioned and we're looking to probably top a hundred thousand ballots sent out so five times the amount of what we've ever seen historically at the election board well
1: do you have five times the staff to deal with it
4: no we don't uh and we don't have five times the mail room and five times the desks and all that so we've had to make uh, some adjustments here at the election board and had to expand, actually expand their physical space to add more people. Uh, And even if you add, you know, as many people as it takes to put out that kind of uh, those those kind of numbers, how are you going to socially separate them and distance them? How are you going to, you know, all those things have to be taken into consideration. I think what we're probably seeing is a trend that um it may slow down a bit, but I think it's forever changed in terms of the way we do business here.
1: Hmm. Uh, Rick is with me. I don't think I need to introduce you guys at all, do I? Hi Rick.
5: <laughs> it's been yeah, we've worked together for well, it's gosh we're known each other for what now, twenty five years?
4: Something along those Some lines, how yeah,
5: you do yeah, it? I know. I'm, I'm good. Unfortunately, my phone's newer than yours. Um, I, I'm just wondering, you're, Okay, being in your position, you're like an attorney or a doctor. Anytime somebody meets an attorney, they have a legal question. They meet a doctor, they've got a pain in their back they want to figure out. They meet you, it's like, yeah, I got this question about voting. So I know people right. are talking to you about this. So when you talk about the mail-in ballots, are they saying mostly they just want to avoid the crowds? Or are they saying it's COVID-related? What do you get the sense it's actually for the reason we're getting so many mail-ins?
4: Well, I think there's uh, several reasons, but by and large, number one above everything else is COVID. I mean, when this hit um, in the spring, um, of course, we had to do away with the April election. We just completely put it off until June. In June, we saw an increase uh, that was actually so large that it beat the 2016 presidential, obviously, in August same sort of trend. It beat the 2016 presidential, and now we're going to beat it by at least five times. So um, everyone is saying, look, you know, we don't want to vote in person. I mean, with the news out today, we, we know that everybody's vulnerable. Obviously, the president of the United States has tested positive for COVID, which means and he's probably the most protected person on the planet in terms of uh, safety and health. And it just shows you that, you know, anyone can get it. And I think a lot of people's fears are based on that. Well, maybe not fears, but hesitation. Let's just put it that way. And so they're hesitant to go and vote in person. I don't blame them at all. Um, so I, I can tell you right now, that's by and large the reason why we have such an increase.
1: Well, and by the same token, poll workers, um, many of them are above the age of 65. They're retired. They have helped you out maybe for several years. They're not going to this year. They're afraid too.
4: There's a lot of poll workers that uh, are not going to be able to participate And haven't been able to participate in the last couple of elections, Uh, and for good reason. They are at a high risk age bracket, and also many of them have pre-existing health conditions that would keep them from the polls. And if you think about it, some of these big polls, they're going to be exposed to hundreds, if not thousands, of voters on election day. And for the sake of their health, uh, they they're choosing to they're opting to to sit this one out. What's neat, though, guys, is that we've had such an outpouring from the community. A lot of younger folks, uh, healthy folks that don't have those pre-existing conditions have stepped forward. Obviously, we cannot have an election by law. We have to have those polls open. So a lot of younger folks have stepped forward and said, let me take the place of these, uh, you know, the folks that are at, at a high risk. Your wife, Martha, has done that. Uh, dan and we 're very appreciative of her and all the other folks that have stepped forward to work this election now, you
0: still uh, so need some though. Yeah.
1: and i 'm sorry i 'm going to interrupt a lot because I really want to keep this moving along. We have so many so many facets to get to, but uh, talking to your uh, precinct worker coordinator yesterday, what she said three hundred is roughly what she needs still
4: yeah um, and you know i mean we 're looking at staffing um, you know this election with well over a thousand workers so Um, that's actually I feel pretty good about that number
1: do you okay Uh, and and Martha said something yesterday and you said we tried and then we never followed up on it Martha said why can't you use the National Guard which I thought God, why not you say you've Mm -hmm. actually asked huh
4: it's a fantastic idea and the state election board has um, during the last two elections they've approached the National Guard with that very idea And I think they really, really tried to pull that together uh, in terms of, you know, stationing certain people here and there in different parts of the state. And at that point, they were just too short of manpower to be able to pull it off.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to some of the open mics and get to those questions in just a moment. Uh, We have questions about registration, common mistakes people make. uh, What is a provisional ballot, and when might I be asked to fill out a provisional? All of that's coming up as we continue our uh, 8 a.m. in-depth hour. I actually thought maybe Martha and I could both be poll workers. What I didn't know is once you are there at the precinct, you ain't leaving until it's over. Uh, You get there at 6.30 in the morning. You're there until you're done.
6: This election is um, its going to be a historic one, and they need poll workers.
1: They do need poll workers, but you were just telling us, Gwen Freeman, that you feel pretty good about only needing 300 at this point. You feel like you're going to be able to fill those.
4: Yeah, I, I do feel pretty good about that. I mean, when this first hit, Dan, we had polling places, uh, that were dropping off and saying, I'm sorry, we're not going to allow anybody in our building, in our facility at this time. We had tons and tons of poll workers who were just, you know, afraid of it being exposed, and I don't blame them. So we lost polling places and polling workers right off the bat. So to be just 300 short at this point is Actually good news.
1: Okay. And I should explain that uh, I I would have worked all day too except I have to do this radio show in the morning then I have to do another radio show election night. So <laughs> kind of, true. The, yeah, I would have had to come and go but that's not possible. Why do you keep everybody at the polling place all day long?
4: You no, know, it's a chain of custody and it's Oklahoma law. So once you're out there and I mean you remember you go to your polling places you you see three people. What you probably don't know is what what their three uh, objectives are in their three separate jobs. There's a Democrat, there's a Republican, and then there's a third party. Uh, That's to keep, you know, watch over how things are conducted. Uh, And then there's a chain of custody. Once those ballots are in the inspector's hands, uh, because there's an inspector, a clerk, and a judge, once those ballots are there, they're responsible for keeping an eye on those ballots all the way up until they return them to the election board that night. Same goes for all three members.
1: When you and I were talking yesterday at the uh, office there, you had said that you'd spent quite a bit of time talking to reporters about the president's comments, that he wanted his supporters to go and observe the voting at their precincts. What What is allowed in regards to that?
4: Well, the president was referring to poll watchers in Oklahoma. And, you know, and when you make those broad statements like that, uh, when you talk about mail-in voting uh, or if you talk about the potential for fraud, and you make these huge broad statements, you know, then I, as, you know, as a, an official here in Oklahoma, I have to kind of defend Oklahoma and how we do business. Uh, one of the things we do is watchers, for instance, is uh, very specific in Oklahoma statutes. They have to be appointed by either the, um, the candidate or the party. They have to go through the election board with the, you know, we have to sign off on special permission to be a watcher. Once they're out there, they can only be watchers to watch the machine getting set up or if there's any repairs to be done to the machine. Mm. And watching the machine being uh, uh, transported or gotten ready to be transported back to the election board, they're not allowed to stay all day. So there okay. is no such hey, thing as a standing st- there all day.
1: Uh, yeah, stop right there. So that that's the bottom line. You cannot go into a polling place, cast your vote, and then stand back and watch.
4: That's correct. That's against the law. Okay.
1: Um, We're doing this show very deliberately on this date because we're one week from the registration deadline. And uh, Rick's been looking at, like, mistakes that people make. And I know he's got some questions for you. Yeah,
5: and then that really is it, Gwen. When you see people doing that early, a couple of things. What are they doing wrong? What is it they specifically need to know? And then the other thing is we've heard a lot so much about mail-in. And we're hearing some differing information about when that ballot actually has to be in election board hands. Can you cover some of that?
4: Sure, we'll start with the last first. Um, seven o'clock on election night, the the absentee ballots have to be in the building. Now we make four runs to the post office on that day, one right before the seven o'clock deadline to make sure that we pick up any remnants of election materials that are at the post office at that point. Um, in some states, and here's why you get confused, in some states, they'll let you uh, use the postmark uh, as you know, and they'll be continuing to receive those absentee ballots days after, as long as it's postmarked by 7. In Oklahoma, it has to be in the building by 7. Some of the mistakes that people commonly make is when they're returning their absentee ballots, they don't put uh, an, uh, an ID in there, a copy of their ID, or they don't have it notarized like they should, or they don't sign it. Uh, maybe they'll put it in an out-of-state driver's license, which we don't under, uh, accept under Oklahoma law, and one of the big things I've seen, it's just heartbreaking to me, is if you don't sign that affidavit, we can't accept it. You may go to all the trouble of getting all the stuff straight, and your ID's in there and everything else, but it's much like if I execute a will, if we have a beautifully executed will, but there's no signature on the bottom of it uh, to attest to the, the you know, uh, the veracity of it, then it's, a, it's much the same with an affidavit, uh, an absentee affidavit. So sign it. Please do. On our website at elections.ok.gov, you'll find a rather informative video. So if you want to watch that video, it tells you all the steps to go through to make sure that you do everything right, because our number one goal here is to make sure that every vote counts.
1: And if you do not do everything right and you show up at the polls and there is a discrepancy, you will be sent to the provisional voting table. Explain that mm-hmm. process.
4: Well, provisional voting is really kind of a neat thing. Um, Let's say that I forgot my, you know, I left my driver's license in my other purse, and I show up at the polls, and I've forgotten, and I don't have a proper ID. So I tell them, you know, uh, I don't have my ID, and they will offer me the, the ability to vote provisionally. It takes a little bit longer, but it's, you know, it's well worth the effort when you consider that you're out there trying to cast your vote. Provisional voting lets you vote, and you give an excuse. You say, well, you know, I think I really am registered in this district, and they say I'm not, or, I, or I've forgotten my ID, or for whatever the reason is. Um, those provisional ballots, many people say, well, you don't count those unless – no, we count them. Those provisional ballots come back to the election board, and they're gone over very carefully. So I've, I've forgotten my ID and my purse. And sure enough, I, you know, the folks here at the election board look me up. They know I'm registered legitimately, and my provisional vote will indeed count.
1: And that is uh, actually what Martha's going to be. She's going to be one of those folks helping out at the provisional ballot table.
4: Very important job. And she seems to be up to the task. I
1: really like her. Yeah, you know what? I wondered about this. Isn't that where people might get confrontational?
4: Yeah, sometimes. Uh, if they say, you know what, I am too registered in this in this district, or um, you, you know, I am a registered voter, or what have you. So yeah, um, Martha may have to call them a few a few folks that are whose feathers are ruffled at that point. And you know, if you've stood in line and you waited on your chance to vote, it's understandable that you're frustrated if you get up there and there's some sort of glitch in the system. So. Be patient with our, you know, that's the number one thing, be patient with everybody. Uh, nerves are on edge right now. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are just upset about the whole thing. Uh, this, this entire year has been kind of nerve-wracking. So, you know, be, be patient with our workers. A lot of them will be new, and this may be their very first time to work the polls. Uh, and, might, you know, you might just say a thank you on the way out the door uh, for voluntary force,
1: we well, got some big uh, time-involved topics to get to, so we're going to save those for the next half hour. But maybe just in the couple of minutes that we have before the bottom of the hour break here, let's talk about early voting dates and locations. Uh, just a couple of days, right?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, it's three days of early three. voting. That's going to be the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 29th, 30th, and 31st. It's going to be different this year. What we were trying to do, obviously. Is, my main concern is keeping our workers and voters safe. Uh, we had a call from One Oak Field, from uh, home of the drillers, and they said, you know what, you guys, would you like to use our facility? We were kind of thinking about an alternate uh, facility at the time, so it came uh, at a rather fortuitous time. Obviously, uh, with an open-air facility like One Oak Field, the baseball field, uh, the spread of COVID is is lessened. Uh, We will be, um, that will be our only single location for early voting. Normally in the past, we've had the election board open along with Hardesty, yeah. Yeah. Um, So this time, we're doing it at a single location, centrally located. It's just around the corner from the election board. So for those of you that are used to coming to the election board, it's very close by. And it allows for a great amount of people, a large amount of, uh, large crowds. It allows for an an amazing amount of parking. We're going to have over 1,200 parking spaces available for people. Three solid days of voting, and uh, we think it 's the safest and actually kind of a fun alternative for voters this year,
1: yeah <laughs> one oak field has become kind of the um, yeah. the the commons the community commons where everybody gathers during the pandemic right now we 've got everything from uh, baseball Cavalier, to soccer yeah. to, to yeah, opera and uh, yeah. voting going on. All right. Uh, Gwen Freeman is our guest, the Tulsa County Election Board Secretary. We've got another half hour to go in our 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Uh, We'll get into the actual process on Election Day. And by by that, I mean how long is it going to take before we see results and what's involved behind the scenes. You'll be amazed. Gwen was giving me a tour yesterday and showing me how uh, complex this whole process is and what the pandemic has meant in terms of, you heard her say, Five times as many absentee ballots, potentially, that they'll be processing. And the role of social media in getting folks registered. You've seen the Facebook, are you registered to vote? We'll get into that with Gwen as well, how many registrations they think they're getting. By nearly any measure, Oklahoma has one of the most secure voting systems in the country. Still, in a year of pandemic and political turmoil, people have questions. Many have never voted by mail. Others have concerns about fraud or about hacking. We wanted answers about how secure Oklahoma's election system really is. KRMG
0: goes in-depth. Here's
1: part two of KRMG's Russell Mills chat with the state official in charge of making sure that every vote counts and every ballot is legit.
3: The elections of 2020 will set all kinds of records for absentee voting. It's a mixture of pandemic and politics that has some people worried about security. I got Oklahoma State Election Board Secretary Paul Zerix on the phone yesterday afternoon to
2: talk it over. You know, when you're talking about election security, there are really three things you need to be concerned about. There, There's physical security, there's cyber security, and there is misinformation and disinformation. So those, those are three things you have to be concerned about. When it comes to physical
3: security, for example, Oklahoma has an important tool that makes any kind of widespread voter fraud pretty difficult. It's called a paper ballot.
2: That's a great, great point, Russell. The the fact that uh, Oklahoma uh, uses paper ballots and that we have a uniform voting system, meaning it's it's the same across the state, the same types of ballots, the same voting machines, uh, and the fact that each of these, even though it's a statewide voting system, each each county system is siloed and separated from the others. So, you know, getting into to one, for example, doesn't impact. Uh, the other seventy six perish
3: forbid anyway, sallowing the systems does help prevent a widespread cyber attack, but that's just the beginning.
2: Cyber security uh, is very important we We already had a very secure system, we have worked. Though with the state cyber command and and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and some other uh, federal and state partners uh, to strengthen uh, and enhance the security for our for our Oklahoma voting system, uh, we have a number of security protocols in place for, to maintain the physical security of equipment, ballots, those sorts of things, um, and and it's 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 a group effort. But uh, but rest assured, we're doing everything that we can. Uh, to make sure that we're protecting uh, not just the cyber infrastructure, but also the physical infrastructure uh, of our of our voting system.
3: And in case you think, hey, I could vote by mail and then vote again on election day,
2: that is the easiest form of fraud to to catch. And uh, you know, I I have said uh, uh, to. In other interviews and i'll repeat it now uh, only a moron would do it because it it really is the easiest kind of you know election crime to catch so don't even try it
3: secretary xerix wants voters in oklahoma to feel confident about voting in 2020
2: in oklahoma with the protections we have in place uh, we have the the, the the absentee affidavit verification that I discussed we have chain of custody laws that prevent other people from collecting or taking your absentee ballot where it could be tampered with or trashed we've seen scandals as recently as 2018 in North Carolina and then I think even this year in a, in a couple of other states related to absentee ballot harvesting you can't do that in Oklahoma there are a number of other protections uh, around absentee voting and in-person voting for that matter that help protect elections so you can you can trust elections you can trust that our voting system is accurate and secure. And the most important thing is uh, get registered to vote, study the issues and the candidates and make your voice heard by voting.
3: Russell Mills, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk.
1: At 835, live with us is Tulsa County Election Board Secretary Gwen Freeman. Uh, You want to do some open mics? Oh, sure. All right, here we go.
6: I am very interested in addressing the topic of voter fraud. Which is not as common as the media has led us to believe it's actually very rare, please address that
4: is that true? Yes, it is um, and again we we talked earlier about the president making um, you know statements uh, you know, kind of these broad statements, uh, but what we have to do is consider that Oklahoma, just like Secretary Zurich's just talked about and you talked about is a very, very uh, uh, secure state to vote in. I believe it's probably one of the finest in the country, if not the finest. In terms of voter fraud, I mean, you're, you're, there's a couple of uh, different types of voter fraud. I assume that what she's talking about is absentee voting voter fraud, which has been the big topic of late. Um, and again, Zurich, uh kind of talked about that with the identification verification. There are a lot of states that don't operate the way that Oklahoma does, but remember this, we've done absentee voting now. What what he was calling mail-in, what many people are calling mail-in voting, isn't quite the same as absentee voting. In Oklahoma... We've been doing absentee mail-in voting for many, many, many years and very successfully. One of the reasons we do it so successfully is because we require identification, verification. We have very strict laws that we follow that are set forth not only by the state election board, but by our legislature. So you can feel very good about casting your vote uh, absentee in the state of Oklahoma.
1: As you look around the rest of the country, are there states where you go, man, that's sloppy?
4: Well, you know, I don't... And I don't want to. I don't want to diss another state at all. But yes, Come I see Gwen, these I, nightmar- won't tell them. <laughs> I do see these nightmare scenarios playing out in other states. And you, at that point, you know, I'm just super thankful that um, you know folks had the foresight years and years ago, and still do in changing election law as we go to make it even more secure, uh, even during COVID. So I'm very thankful that we have a state like we have it, it. It certainly protects us in the election industry, and it protects you as the voter.
6: I had a poll worker deny me my right to vote because I brought in my photo tribal ID card instead of a driver's license. I thought the tribal cards were accepted as long as they were photo IDs and federally issued.
1: Okay, before they are. We- all right. Answer the ID question first.
0: They are
4: okay. They are. So if you had an if you had a, a tribal photo ID uh, that was not expired as of the election, uh, then you should have been allowed to vote. And if, if 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 it were expired, you should have been allowed to to uh, fill out a, a provisional ballot as well. So if that if you still have that caller's name, um, I can call her back and make sure I know where that uh, particular. Um, you know, place was, the police station where she voted, so I can follow up on that. Yeah, if, she'll, if she'll
1: leave us another open mic with her number, we'll, we'll
4: Oh, okay. okay, That would be great. But remember, here's what you do need to remember. Your driver's license works as long as it, as it is not expired before election day. Tribal, any federally, st- federal or state-issued identification, tribal identification, that will work. Your passport will work. And then, of course, the simplest thing you can show is your voter identification card.
2: I have a question about my wife's absentee ballot, uh, so she sent hers off already. When I hit the polls on November 3rd, will I be able to see her name and indicated that she
0: has already voted? Thank you.
4: You'll, you'll see her name on the registry. Uh, so the registry, when you go in and you sign that book that, that you sign at your polling place, that registry co- constitutes uh, every registered voter within that precinct. So yes, you will see people's names in there that have voted uh, absentee. But what our precinct workers do know is when a person has requested a an absentee uh, ballot. So let's say that you've requested a ballot, and for some reason you forgot to vote it, or you just didn't, you decided I want to go to my polling place instead. When you show up there, that person behind the desk is going to say, I see that you've requested an absentee ballot. At that point, you say, yeah, I did, but I've changed my mind. So what they will have you do is not only sign the registry, but they'll also have you sign an affidavit uh, stating that you will not vote your absentee ballot. Now, if you decide for some reason you want to vote both, uh, it's probably not a good idea. We will know that you voted both.
1: Yeah, that's what Paul Zierakson was saying. Uh, that's probably the easiest form of voter fraud to catch. Only an idiot would do that. Uh, let's see here. How about this one?
0: Does anybody know if the homeless or the chronic homeless are going to have a right to vote in this year's election? Uh,
1: that that is an interesting question because by you know definition, homeless means you don't have a home, don't have a mailing address, but you could I suppose, if you lived in a shelter and used that as your mailing address.
4: Yeah, we do have some people who request some of our homeless uh, voters who've requested. Uh, absentee ballots and they can use for instance john 316 mission uh, address and that sort of thing Uh, but one of the safeguards to find you know against voter fraud is that when you request an absentee ballot we mail it to you you can't come here and pick one up so one of the safeguards is we mail it to your your address that you've requested that way we know that the person who requested it will receive it Um, so when you talk about the homeless population um you you know obviously if you're homeless and you want to you want to be able to vote you need to be able to hook up with one of these sh- uh the the shelters or uh places where you can put at least a uh, you know a temporary address The
1: University of Tulsa is a worldwide leader in cybersecurity. We've reported on that many times. So we we decided it would probably be a good idea to ask the experts there about any concerns about fraud or tampering that they might have with this election cycle.
0: KRMG goes in-depth.
1: Is KRMG Managing Editor Rick Corey. Tyler Moore
5: is a professor of cybersecurity at TU, and he holds an endowed chair in the same discipline.
0: His first message is, like any computer system or voting systems are vulnerable to hacking.
5: But there is some good news, especially right here at home.
0: In Oklahoma, we're in a bit better shape than in other states because we have these optical scan ballots that have paper. It's a computer system that reads it and tallies the vote, but the paper ballot is still there. And so that's actually very valuable. If there's a problem that arises later, you can always go back to the paper ballots if you have to do a manual recount.
5: When looking at the country as a whole, what are the major concerns?
0: There are three big threats around election security. One is the security of the vote itself. I probably have the most confidence in the overall security of that vote. The second threat is sort of the attempt before the election occurs to sort of influence, you know, our elections and influence how people vote. That, I think, is a very real risk because we've seen it in 2016. We we know the countries are trying to do it again. I think it's an open question how much influence these foreign countries can have on our elections. I mean, as a country, we seem to be doing a pretty good job of dividing ourselves without any additional help from other countries to assist in that. The third threat is the one that I'm most concerned about is this attempt to sow distrust in the process. Our leaders need to be coming out in front saying that are doing everything they can to ensure that the election will be fair and that they will respect the result and they will respect the processes in place to ensure that we have a fair election. The reality is our democracy is pretty robust and it's something that we should be proud of as Americans that we we have this democratic process. If we ascribe too much power to foreign agents that they can disrupt our elections, I think we're doing them a favor. We need to have confidence in our institutions to do the right thing, because I think they really do have that capability if if we just respect that. How do you prepare for what you think might be coming? You're never going to be able to rid a computer system of all vulnerabilities. And so you just have to do the best you can making the systems as secure as you can, but you also have to prepare for the possibility that an attack will occur and will succeed. And so what you need to have are human and organizational processes in place that can deal with that problem as it arises. So in the case of elections, what that means is we need to have processes where if something strange and the tabulation count comes through, that that, this can initiate, say, a manual recount that can be observed by both sides to make sure that it is done fairly. And these are essentially, you know, non-technical processes that sort of back up our technical systems. What do you think the chances are somebody will monkey with some systems around
5: the country if successfully on election night?
0: Here's my concern. I think the possibility of someone successfully manipulating the vote in such a way that swings the election is actually pretty low. But I do think there is a risk of trying to actually hack into the computer systems of election boards. We know there were some initial penetrations into many states' election systems, but no evidence that there was an actual attempt to manipulate the vote. But something that we have to be attuned to as a possibility and try to to try to combat. Rick, thanks for that report. Very cool.
3: One zero two three KRMG Tulsa's news and talk, where we tell you the three big things you need to know every fifteen minutes all day. Now back to the KRMG morning news, eight AM in depth hour.
1: If you would at uh, eight forty nine, allow me a moment to brag on my wife, who will be a Tulsa County poll worker. I ask her why?
6: Because this election is um, it's going to be a historic one, and they need poll workers.
1: It's kind of a frontline job. Does it, it worry is. you at all?
6: No, I've I've I can wear a mask. I'm going to take a few different masks that I'll change out throughout the day, and um, I'm going to wear gloves. And I also have a face shield. They're they're making it as as safe for us as possible.
1: It's all all day commitment, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. You're going to be there from before when the polls open, which they open at seven. So you got to be there at six thirty. Six thirty. Until you've been said told to, you may be there past midnight.
6: It's possible. I'm sure in some areas that you will, and you you um, it doesn't stop after the last person (laughs) walks through your line. There's quite a bit to do afterwards.
1: It's Sunday afternoon. We're sitting out on our porch. Gwen Freeman, the Tulsa County Elections Administrator, has sent you a packet Mm -hmm. of uh, this is your precinct official training. So. I know you've got to get to it probably, what, a couple hours?
6: Yeah, it'll be a couple hours to train, and um, I can use all of these with me when I go to the precinct You've got day. an
1: array of uh, mm-hmm. documents spread out the around you. Solver. The problem solver. Election Day reference and problem solver. All right, study up, and um, might check in, in with you from time to time, but uh, if, if nothing else, we'll talk to you after and see how you feel about it, okay?
6: Okay. Welcome to Precinct Official Training
1: 2020, prepared by the Oklahoma State Election I, uh, Board. I sat with her for uh, most of it. It was about two and a half, maybe three hours, Gwen, of uh, training that you, do, you used to do in-house there at the Election Board office, but because of the pandemic, is now an online course. <laughs> Not the most exhilarating three-hour video we've ever watched, certainly, but very informative. And I got a lot out of it. I know she did, too.
4: Well, you know, and first, just let me say thank you to Martha for stepping up and and, and anyone like her who's decided that this is extremely important. Uh, and it is. Obviously, by law, we have to conduct these elections. We have to have polls open for in-person voters. And so uh, people like Martha who stepped forward, we're just super, super grateful for um yeah I mean we do need about three hundred extra poll workers. Uh, that number has dwindled from what we did need. I feel real good about uh, being able to uh, get the polls well staffed for this upcoming election. If you are interested, obviously, you have to be a registered voter in Tulsa County, but we'd love to have you.
1: Okay, so really, the only deadline is got to get registered, and that's by next week. but if you are already registered, there is still time for you to volunteer. All right, let's get into what election night is going to look like. Um, you've got all of these absentee ballots. It means that you've – generally, those get counted when, and how is it different this year? You
4: well, know, it's different in every conceivable way. Um, normally, and like, say, just a medium-sized election or what have you, we can have those absentee ballots counted and processed on election day and ready to announce the numbers by 7 o'clock which are that's always our first batch of numbers, is absentee, by 7 o'clock on election night. At this point, we're having to convene board meetings to process these absentee ballots virtually almost every day in the month of October. And that will take hours and hours and hours each time we convene. What that means is on election night, if we have you know tons thousands and thousands of absentee ballots that come in and just to be clear
1: uh, you're you're going to the post office right up until almost seven o'clock to get that last batch right, right? we already heard that's that right so you're bringing we, back stuff that there's no way it's been counted hasn't even come back from the post office yet
4: that's correct so i mean you've heard me on different you know every every, every time i get a chance i i scream it from the rooftops look guys you get your absentee ballots fill them out send them in or bring them in Immediately, as soon as possible, because what will happen is we'll have if we have thousands and thousands of absentee ballots that arrive at the very, very last second, those ballots by law must be processed and they must be processed by a convened board. And once we if we if we had that kind of um, response on election day or election night, then we're going to be here a while and you're not going to have those results.
6: Not
1: what, that night, are... maybe not that next day, maybe not till who knows. What, what is last right. minute
5: though? When I mean, what's the cutoff? When when you finally have to say, okay, we don't take anything else in. What's the what's the day
1: or time? It's
5: it's okay.
4: So yeah, and and this is this gets a little bit confusing. But look at it this way, guys. By seven o'clock, we have to have every absentee ballot that's out there by seven o'clock on election night. It has to be in this building in our hands, even if it's and,
1: postmarked and it's But it's it's somewhere in the I, system. It did not make that last mail run from the post office you're not going to get counted right.
4: so that's why you tell i mean even the united states postal service is telling people look give us at least a week so at least a week in advance make sure you get those in the mail or come you know come in and, and drop them off but you know in, in answer to your your question rick it doesn't there is no cut off time if it has arrived in this building it's set by 7 p.m if it takes us a day if it takes us a week if it takes us 15 days we must, by law, process every single one of them.
1: The best bet, though, is if it's, say, it's November 1st or 2nd, and you look down and you go, <gasps> I never mailed that. The oh. best idea is take it physically to the county election board office and drop it off because then you know it will be counted.
4: Well, you can do that. And you can do, there is a cutoff for that, by the way. You're only allowed to drop them off in person until 5 p.m. the day before The election.
1: Uh, Okay, because y'all are busy doing other stuff on Election Day. Hey, Gwen, this has been really, really informative. Before I let you go, every time I scroll through a Facebook feed, I get hit up for, have you registered to vote? Of course I have. Um, How much registration do you think was driven by social media?
4: Probably a lot, but here's the thing. And and I I don't mean to discount these these third-party organizations and their you know their their efforts to get people registered i mean it's a wonderful thing however if you need information if you want to know if you're registered if you need to check up on registration status or what you need to do please go through us i mean a lot of these organizations are national they don't know oklahoma law uh, for instance we had one organization ok vote i think it was that was contacting people and telling them you're not registered. Well, they were indeed registered. And I don't know what caused that on their end, but, you know, it caused a bit of a panic for folks. So if you do have questions, please call us. We'll answer them. And then secondly, and more importantly, remember, don't give out your personal information to just anybody just because they're claiming to be some voter organization or, you know, voter, you know, just make sure that that because you don't know what they're doing with that information. You really don't we don't know what they're doing with that information your best bet is to go through the election board
1: quickly the election board phone number and web page
4: 9185965780 is the number for the election board we are inundated with phone calls so if we don't get to you right away please be patient with you with us there's everything you could possibly need to know about elections on our uh, web page at www.elections.ok.gov.
1: Elections.ok.gov, and it's five nine six fifty seven eighty. Gwen, you're a pro. Thank you. No, oh, you.
4: It. <laughs> uh, you guys are great. I appreciate so much you giving me the opportunity to. Talk to the folks out there and and yourself.
1: We're going to be bugging you more. You know that. We'll talk to you soon. And let Martha go before (laughs) 9. Yeah, please send her home before 9. That would be great.
4: (laughs) So she could have dinner on the table, right, Dan? (laughs) Uh,
1: No, no, I'll have it ready for her. Uh, Cold pizza from our election coverage is what it's going to be. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys.
2: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,